Today on this edition of the Forest City Church Podcast, Eric Parks begins a new series titled, This Is My Worship. His message today is, what are you willing to give your worship to? You know, I was thinking a lot about the series we're rolling into, and the reason why we started with communion, one is we hadn't done it in a long while, but it's because we're going to be in a series where we're talking about worship. Now, let me start with this. Have you ever had anything in your life, something that you absolutely adored? You know, something, now maybe not like a person, your children, but have you ever had something in your life that you absolutely adored? A car, right? I don't know, maybe like when you were growing up, it was like something in your room. When you were a kid, it was a a little doll. But, but, But show of hands, anybody had something that you just had assigned an immense amount of worth to? Okay, let me show you something. Let me show you something. So I was thinking about this. I was thinking about like this. And I was like, I'm going to show you something that meant a lot to me growing up. This is, somebody knows what this is. This, folks, this is what you call a letterman's jacket. For those of you that are millennials, you're like, what is he wearing? Did he get that at H&M? No, 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 I did not. You earned a jacket like this. And I got to tell you, when I got it, my junior year in high school, some of you all know, like, this was a big deal. Like, I, I wore this every day. I made sure that I took care of it. I, I remember one particular um, weekend where I had misplaced it at a friend's. I knew I had left it there. I, I had driven about 20 miles away. I lived in, uh, in rural Texas. And um, I drove straight to his house, a beeline in the middle of the night to get my jacket because I'm like, that jacket means something to me. I, I pulled it out this weekend and both my boys were like, what is that? I'm like, it's a letterman's jacket. And, and my youngest son, he's like, what are, the, what are those big old patches? And I'm like, he's, what does it mean all Henderson County? I said, it means I was good at baseball. See, this, this meant something to me. This had worth. And for all of us, if we look at our lives, we sort of have to ask ourselves this question, especially in this series, but all the time. What is it that you assign worth to? What is it in your life that you assign worth to? Because if you go to the original language, when worship is used, it actually, as Steve Carter tells us, it's worth-ship. Not worship, but worth-ship. What is it to you that is worthy of your time and your attention and your praise? And it's interesting because if you think about your life, there's probably, it comes in descending order, right? It's not just letterman's jackets or cars or whatever it may be. You, you have a list of descending orders of things that are important to you. It's not normally just one thing. The question is, when you think about your life and all that is worth something to you, where does God fit? How much worth does he hold in your life? What does your worth-ship 
look like. This is how the Apostle Paul phrases worship when he says this in Romans 12, 1. He says, therefore, listen, he's talking to you. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies. In other words, he's saying, give everything you have like a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Because this is true and proper worship. When we see God for what he really is in our lives, we give him everything. Now, when we begin to talk about this series, truth is that most often when I hear preachers talk about worship, they actually distance themselves from musical worship. I don't know why that is, but oftentimes I'll hear pastors go, well, worship isn't just music. No, no, it's not. But I want to make the case over the next few weeks when we start to talk about worship, how important music actually is to worship. Like when we offer ourselves up in this process, how important music is in the process. And I know for some of you, because it's light today, those of you that came, by the way, this is, this is the, like the hearty folks. I see you. I know who you are. You like sit in a, a special spot. You're not soft, right? You made it today. But I know some of you are like, now, now come on, dude. Come on. I, do, we have to, do we have to be talking about like music and dancing around? I've had people go, look, help me understand. Why all of a sudden... Are y'all always like dancing around and moving around? I can't just, can we just sort of like stand there with our hands in our pockets and just listen? And so I want you to understand something about the reason why we do what we do. Because you're going to hear me say this. For us as a church, worship, musical worship, is the tip of the spear. It really is. It is the tip of the spear for us. So oftentimes you'll see like lots, lots of energy that we put into music, lots of thought. This worship night that we're doing on Feb February 6th, it is going to be unreal. But, but there's reason why, and, and I want to explain it. I want you to understand that in the ancient days, in the ancient days when people would talk theology, there was two ways in which God, his message was passed around. It was storytelling at campfires. This is how the message of God in the ancient days got passed from generation to generation. It was oftentimes stories at campfires and songs that were written and sung together. Theology was handed down from generation to generation. Theology through music. We would teach, they would teach their children these songs. And these songs would teach their children about God. Now I know many of us, we, we look at like where we are in, in this day and age and you go, yeah, but we don't need songs, brah. We, we don't need it. I don't need music. I don't need, I'll hear people say, emotionalism. The reality is that there is something about music that conjures emotion. It's why to, so often the criticism of musical worship is it's like, oh, it's just emotional. And there's a reason to that. It's because music does something to us emotionally. Now, now can we have some fun for a minute? Can we just, since we're here and it's freezing, and it's icy. Okay, so let me, I'm gonna, we're going to play a little game. A little game. I want, I, wanna, I want you to see how music moves us. Play this first song. Play it loud. 
you feel, you know what's about to happen. If you grew up in the 1990s, Chicago, Rockford, you know what's about to happen. You see Michael, he's on the bench, right? You feel it, smoke's coming out and you hear, and now, right, right, right? So, like, if you are a Chicago Bulls fan, which we're doing fine right now, but man, we remember the glory days. You hear that song, don't you feel something? Like, you feel it, you feel it. Like, you're, you're ready to go. I, I used to think, if God gave me one, like, wish, like when I was growing up, I'm like, if God gave me one wish, I would just want to play like Michael Jordan for one day, just one day, right? So, so like we feel something, but you know, it's not just like, it doesn't just hype us up. Like sometimes there's music that we hear that actually conjures different emotions. I'll play that other song. Again, I'm gonna, you, you sort of know what generation I'm from, but this song played, huh? Play it loud. I see, I don't even know the words, but here's the thing. I think I got my wife to this song, right? Like, I remember putting this movie on and this this song came on. It's like, you feel like, oh, I just, this is like this triumphant, glorious love. And, and for each of us, we have different, like, songs that do that for us. It, it creates different emotions. Here's one. Of, here's a song that I play sometimes. You won't know this song at all, but you can tell just by the first little riff. Play that song. Like, you ever have those moments where you're just feeling like you need like a good sad song? Like just a good sad song. It says something sad, but like a good sad song. Like I listen to this fella sing and I just, I'm like, oh, I just want to drink a cup of coffee, have introspective thoughts. See, this is what music does. But, but I'm not going to leave you there because the other day, this is what music does as well. Um, so I, I, I'm going on now. Eight of the first nine days of the year, I have ridden my Peloton bike. So um, someone praise me. Someone praise me. Thank you. Because I'm, I'm trying to be yeah, a healthy pastor. I'm trying to be healthy this season. But I was on the bike. This was about three days ago. And I'm telling you, folks, like I was dying. Because, you know, I was. I was sweating and dying and I'm like, I can't, it, it was this um, cardio test that they were putting you through. And I had hit the wall. It felt like I don't have anything more, more to give. Cause it's just me and the bike. Well, well, the gal who was on the screen with me, she ends up starts talking. She's like, what, what you don't know about me is I'm a pastor's daughter. So this was the Peloton instructor. She goes, I am a pastor's granddaughter. She goes, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. She goes, I know that music can do something, hype you up, and it can get you in the next three minutes. And so, now, this isn't a gospel song, but she put on this song. So I'm in my, I don't have anything left. I, I got nothing left. She's like, you gotta get, she goes, today's not gonna be a heartbreak anthem. Today's not gonna be it for you. And I started believing her. And I'm like, wait, maybe I have more to give. And then here, the drop came. I was like... And I'm like, and it's so funny, it's so funny, because in my head, it's like the whole world hears the anthem, but if you, like, had a camera, it's my son sitting on the couch looking at me, because all he hears is his old man just grunting. I'm going, oh, 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 right? See, this is what music does to us, right? Music is interesting. It has this way of touching our spirits, and this is clinically proven, 
that music actually does things like it makes us stronger, it boosts our immune system, it assists in repairing brain damage, it makes you smarter, it helps Parkinson's patients. Like music does things we can't always explain. It's not just emotionalism, but it does tap into something real and emotional in us. Music does. And so when it comes to musical worship, let me tell you why we think it's so important. Number one, when we tap into that with music, it does two things in the context of church. Number one, it reminds us it's, it's this vertical nature of music and worship, right? We, in these moments, when we begin to sing truths about God, it unlocks things that we know, but sometimes we don't feel. You know what, you ever been that? Things you know, but you don't always feel. You know God is good, but you don't always feel it. In any moment, you might feel like he doesn't feel good today. I don't feel good today. When music, when we sing these truths of who God is, this is why when you look at the psalm, it's written all over the psalm. Psalm 66 says this, sing the glory of his name. His praise glorious. What David's saying, sing it. Sing it. Sing who he is over you. Sing who he is. Because you may not feel it until you start to sing it. And then you'll start to sing it and you might start to feel it. And I promise you, the things we feel make it easier to believe. That's true. David says in Psalm 145, I'm gonna exalt you. I'm gonna praise your name forever and ever because he knew, like, I need to feel some of these things. I know that they're true, but I need to feel that they're true. And when I lift, I raise a hallelujah, I feel it. You know, the second thing that, about this vertical nature of musical worship, it not only reminds us of who God is, it reminds us of who we are. See, because sometimes we get how good and big God is, but sometimes we get lost ourselves in the process of who we are. We forget who we are. We forget the truth. That in Colossians it says that he is going to complete in us a good work. We forget that in Ephesians 2.5, the apostle Paul says that we're alive in him. We forget that we've been freed, as Roman 8 says. And what music does is when we do these musical worship moments, it's not for entertainment. It's not for you to come in and go, well, that sounded really neat. It's to unlock this stuff in us, that we feel it. We go, oh, that's right, that's who I am. That is who you are, and this is who I am. It is vertical in nature. I love what Revelation 5 eight says. It says, you are worthy because with your blood you purchased people for God. You purchased us. I think that's the last piece of vertical. It reminds us of who he is. It reminds us of who we are. And musical worship helps remind us of all the good things he has done. You say, well, why does that matter? Because, because we need to be reminded. We, we, we creatures 
have crazy short memory span about good things. I don't know why. Some of us are better than others. We forget all the good things that he has done. And so we use music to remind us of all the good things that he has done. I love what Psalm 40 says. He says, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. In other words, I continue to talk about it with us in these groups. I continue to remind us. I know sometimes you're like, Parks, you're a broken record. You're a broken record. I'm like, no, no, it's because we need to be coming into this space. We need to be reminded. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know. In other words, he's saying, I haven't shut my mouth. I keep saying it. I keep saying it. I haven't hidden your deliverance within my heart. I haven't sort of snuck it away. He's saying, I keep saying the things I know to be true. I keep singing these things I know to be true. I don't just have an experience, watch you do good things, and then lock them away and forget them. This is what David's saying. He goes, I'm not gonna conceal this stuff. I'm gonna sing it. It's vertical in nature. But, but make no mistake for a city church. That while this is definitely musical worship, it's like for you and me to feel something, to be reminded of something between he and I. It also is horizontal in nature too. You know, um, I was doing some research on the power of music. And um, there there was a, Columbia University put together a bunch of scholars back in 2017 to just study the neuroscience of music. And you know, one of the things that all of these scientists concluded, it's very interesting, that music is actually about people. In other words, the neuroscience behind music, and this is a quote, one of the scientists says, I believe the whole idea of music is to connect people with other people. In other words, when we sing corporately, it isn't just about a moment with you. It does something with us. Like singing together connects us. And I was reminded of the power of like chants and songs when it, when it, when it comes to linking us together as family. A few years ago, Chrissy and I took um, a big anniversary trip and I got to preach over in, um, over in Denmark and while we happened to be there during the World Cup. Now, for those of us in the United States, the World Cup is sort of one of these things that's kind of like, huh, right? <laughs> but in Europe, folks, this, this is like the Super Bowl times 20. Every country has gone, they're, absolutely stark raving lunatics. And we happened to be in Copenhagen when Denmark was playing South Africa. And you would have thought the entire city shut down. We couldn't find any place to go, but everybody wanted us to be a part of their team, Denmark. And so this is a picture of me and Chrissy. We wandered into this little spot. Those are scarves that everybody wears over there. By the end of this two-hour soccer match where we had snuck into this little pub with, it was four times more people than there should be in there. We knew the Denmark chant song. We were high-fiving. We couldn't believe how excited we were to be Denmark fans. Folks, I'd never watched a Denmark team play ever once. But bro, we walked out with the things and we're like, 
go Denmark, go Denmark, right? Because we were singing songs together, doing their chant song together. Something happens when we sing together. It connects us in such interesting ways together. You know, I've said this before. I've said that sometimes we come into this space and we need to borrow faith from somebody else. Because we're low or we've had a bad week or a bad month. And it does something to see someone raise up a hallelujah next to you. It does something when we raise it up together. This is why corporate musical worship is so important. It's because it connects us. It's connective tissue for us as a community. Worship team, you can come out. You know, over the next four weeks, we're going to have a lot of musical worship. And this is what my challenge is for you, for us. For some of us, this might be cue to tap out, especially those, those of you that are Swedish, right? Because you're like, nah, br- okay. Now, you are putting me in an uncomfortable position to have to actually put words out of my mouth or to put my hands together. I know some of you, you get so irritated the moment that Carrington asks you to clap your hands because you're like, I'm, I'm not doing what he's telling me to do. I'm not gonna put my hands together. I'm just, I'm not made to make music. Listen, let me encourage you. You're practicing for heaven because I promise you, the Bible tells us in Revelations, it's pretty clear that there is this, there is this swarm in Revelations 4, these creatures that are constantly swarming around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy. There's going to be a lot of worship and you're going to love it. And you're going to feel like it's going to connect you in such beautiful ways in heaven to God because he's everywhere and to each other. But I'm just wondering, why not now? Why not try it? Why not, why not let yourself be in that space? What, what if, in the same way all these songs that have entered our life and all this music that we've talked about entered our life create memories and powerful experiences, what if worship could do that for you and us? Look, we're gonna throw a party at this church every single Sunday. Like in this space, that's what we're gonna do. And if you don't want that, that's okay. Um, I just would say, hey, who doesn't need a good party though, right? Like, give it a shot. Get, hang with us for a little bit. Try putting your hands together. Now, that doesn't mean you have to do, you don't have to do Lauren and Carrington. You don't have to like, I'm not asking you to do that. Maybe it's just a baby step to jump into the party. M- maybe you could trust a little bit and go, well, maybe if I sing just one verse, I'll feel something, me and God, and feel a little more connected. Hey, any sort of baby step in this space, but here's here's why we do it. It's not just because it's vertical. It's not just because it's horizontal. It is because where I started, ultimately, above all else, it is worth-ship. He is worth 
these moments for us, right? He, he's worth it. And so, in the spirit of raising our voices, I'm going to ask us to stand together as a community. And as we close out our time together, I'm going to ask you, could you participate in this last song maybe just 10% more than you're comfortable? For some of you, it's clapping. For some of you, it's singing. For some of you, it's just smiling. I'll take it. But maybe this is what we need as we walk into our new year, a reminder of what really is worthy to be praised. Let's sing together. You've been listening to Eric Parks with a message, What Are You Willing to Give Your Worship To? Which is part one of the series, This Is My Worship. Thanks for listening.